Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. In this series of programs, we will look in on drama, suspense, news, music, and the stars and programs that made it all possible. On this program, we are featuring Judy Garland, Fibber McGee and Molly, Lemon Abner, Bob Hope, John J. Anthony, and Henry Morgan. The Armed Forces Radio Service had Judy Garland as guest on many of their shows. Here she is in 1945, singing her big hit, The Trolley Song. starch collar and my high top shoes and my hair piled high upon my head I went to lose a jolly hour on the trolley and lost my heart instead with his light brown derby and his bright green tie he was quite the handsomest of men I started to yen so I counted to ten then I counted to ten again Clang went the trolley, ding, ding, ding went the bell, zing, zing, zing went my heartstrings, from the moment I saw him I fell. Chug, chug, chug went the motor, bump, bump, bump went the brake, thump, thump, thump went my heartstrings, when he smiled I could feel the car shake. Tipped his hat and took a seat He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet He asked my name, I held my breath I couldn't speak because he scared me half to death Buzz, buzz, buzz went the buzzer Plop, plop, plop went the wheels Stop, stop, stop went my heartstrings As he started to go and I started to know how it when the universe rings The day was bright, the air was sweet The smell of honeysuckle charmed you off your feet You tried to sing, but couldn't squeak In fact, you loved him so you couldn't even speak Buzz, 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 when the buzzer Started to leave, I took hold of his sleeve with my hand, and as if it were planned, he stayed on with me, and it was grand just to stand with his hand holding mine. 
Did you know that one of the most famous sounds on radio was the opening of Fibber McGee's closet? No, don't open that door, McGee. Fibber McGee and Molly had the number one most popular show on the air for many seasons. So popular, in fact, that in 1941, Fibber McGee was actually made president of the Chamber of Commerce of Encino, California. The festivities were broadcast by NBC Radio on January 31st, 1941. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to know that I'm deeply appreciative of the honor you've conferred upon me tonight, and I promise you that I will work hard and sincerely to justify your faith in me and I will do everything I can to continue the program that Encino has been making. And now, if you don't mind, I'd, uh, I'd just like to say that uh, we have so many wires here that we can't take time to read all of them. I wish we had that much time, but I, we want to thank everyone who sent us a wire. I don't know what to say in response to all this, except that it, it makes me very happy because being president of the Chamber of Commerce here is the realization of my lifelong ambition to be finally a big business typhoon. McGee. Yes, Mom? Uh, what was that you just said? Because at last I'm realizing my ambition to be a big business tycoon. You mean tycoon, dearie? I do not. Tycoon was a ball player with Detroit. <laughs> that was Tycoon. Well, then what's a typhoon? Well, it's something you catch. My sister had typhoon once and all her hair fell out. That's typhoid. Come to think of it, a typhoon is a big wind, something like a Toronto. Oh, <laughs> I see. Being president of the Chamber of Commerce means that you're just a big win. Huh? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I was just joking, really, dearie. I'm very proud of you tonight. Especially when I think back and remember how much you have had to go through to get where you are and all, oh, you know. Oh, shucks, Molly. It's nothing that any red-blooded American boy couldn't have done. Yes. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, when Fibber uh, was just a lad, he ran away from the farm back in Illinois so he could go into show business. Remember? Yeah. Huh? And he worked hard and struggled so as he could save enough money to buy a farm here in Encino. <laughs> Say, I never thought of that. You? Yeah. And the funny part of it is the one you ran away from had 200 acres, huh? whilst the one you finally bought has two and a half. Oh, I'm no fool. Did you ever try to hold 200 acres? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the next pair of Encino residents that I'd like to introduce are... Two young codgers that are known in every corner of the land where a radio wave has penetrated. I'm speaking of the Damon and Pythias of the air, Lum and Abner. What is it we're supposed to do now, Lum? What is it? We're supposed to say something nice about Fibber McGee. Fibber McGee? Why? Well, he's just been elected president of the Chamber of Commerce of Encino. Well, that don't sound right. Where, where is that Ceno business they keep talking about, Mom? Ceno? Yeah, that uh, Ceno you hear about. Encino. Well, you wouldn't say, ah, then Pine Ridge, Mom. <laughs> he was elected president of the Chamber of Commerce of Encino. Well, that don't sound right. You wouldn't say of in Pine Ridge or in in Pine Ridge, Mom. In Encino, then. Where is Ceno? That's what I want to know. Don't worry about that. What we're supposed to do is say something nice about it. Well, have you got anything wrote? 
No. Well, you can't just get up here and think all at once of something nice to say about him long. <laughs> that takes some time and study. Well, yeah, well, we don't have to stick to the truth. We can make up something. <laughs> they won't know the difference. Well, we're holding up the whole program, Lum, trying to think of something. No, I'm going to say something nice about him if I have to stand here all night. <laughs> well, we ain't got long on the air, Lum. We're holding up things here, though. Well, look, uh, we'll go over here and study a while. Huh? Make up something. Oh. And get them to call on us later. Yeah. Uh, Fibber, hmm? we're going over here and study. Oh. You can call on us later. I think we'll have something to say, maybe. Okay, Lum. <laughs> Lum and Abner, ladies and gentlemen. Now, it really gives me a lot of pleasure to introduce to you one of the wittiest and most popular stars of radio and motion pictures. That dandy, dapper, debonair dealer in Dentifrice Delight, or... The peerless Pepsi palpitating promoter with the Pepsi and personality, Bob Hope. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very happy to be here. Who would ever think I'd be doing a benefit for Fibber McGee? <laughs> but I think this is a very dignified affair, Fibber McGee becoming a new president of the Encino Chamber of Commerce. I think that's thrilling. Of course, it's just a coincidence that the floor in the post office there needs waxing. <laughs> Encino is a very pretty place. You can't miss it. As you drive out Ventura Boulevard from Hollywood, you come to a place where the road widens, and that's it. You can't miss it. There's a beautiful sign at the city limits that says you are now about to pass through Encino. P.S. You, you passed it. But personally, I don't mix in politics. The other day, they were picking a mayor for North Hollywood, and when the candidates were mentioned, there was plenty of talk about Bob Hope, but nobody would listen to me. But I... Uh... But I don't want to talk too much about North Hollywood because, after all, this is a banquet honoring Fibber McGee, the new president of the Encino Chamber of Commerce. And I know he'll make a perfect president of the Chamber of Commerce because, after all, what does the president of the Chamber of Commerce have to do? He just sits around and makes speeches and eats dinners. And when it comes to reading the weather report, brother, what better president could a Chamber of Commerce have than a guy named Fibber? Thank you very, very much. But he's a grand guy. Good luck, Fibber. When radio was growing up in the 30s and 40s, it received a marvelous education from a program titled The Goodwill Hour and its moderator, John J. Anthony. People would come to the program with a problem, and while millions of listeners coast to coast were tuned in, Mr. Anthony would give them his words of wisdom. The first case Mr. Anthony will hear is that of Mr. R.P. Mr. Anthony, I'm 20 year, 21 years of age and care for a young lady who is several years older than I am. How many years older? She is eight years older than I am. The family has voiced, they object to this girl very much, and I, I find that without her, I uh, really am not very happy. And what I would like to know is whether I should continue relationship with her or not. I see. How much do you earn? Well, my earning capacity is sufficient to support myself. And just how much is that? Approximately $20 a week. Well, I'm going to agree with your father for once. I seldom agree with fathers and mothers when it comes to interfering in the private lives of their children. But in this particular instance, I believe that your father is justified. This young woman is eight years your senior. At 28... A young woman is a real woman. At 21, a young man 
can hardly be called a real man in the full, just a moment, in the full sense of the word. At 21, there are very few men that have their lives mapped out so completely that they know just where they're going to be and what they're going to do within three, four, or five years. Now, why? Why, from a logical standpoint, should you, at the age of 20 or 21, burden yourself with a love affair, with a woman eight years your senior, when the most important thing at this moment in your life should be how and where will I be within the next five or six years? When do you believe a man reaches his prime in life? Well, I don't believe it can be definitely determined by age. Approximately. When do you expect to reach your full development uh, mentally? Some people never reach it. Now, you do, want, do you want to evade the question? Or no, I don't wish to I'm evade the question. In general, it's uh, reached at the age of approximately 22 or 23. I see. Well, all right, let me correct you then, please. There are a few men that really achieve their lives' ambition before the age of 40. Now, that should hold true in your case as well as in every other man's life. Now, at the age when you'll be 40, your wife will be 48. Uh, Ten years after that, your wife will be 58, and you will be in the prime of your life at 50. Will you not? You think your wife will be in her prime at 58? I don't think so. Then why do you want to start something now that will bring you anguish later on? Possibly it won't bring anguish later on. That All right, young man, we're, we're not going to quarrel about that. I know that you came up here for an opinion. Yes. My opinion is that you have no business at this age going with a woman eight years your senior, and in fact, you have no right doing that even five or six years from today. That's my opinion. Thank you, Mr. Anthony. The Anthony program was so popular that comedians had a field day doing impersonations and parodies of his program. Not long ago, I did an interview for the popular AFN Europe program, Weekend World. Here's what Mr. Anthony told me when I asked him if he ever got upset at the way he was taken to task by the satirists. Oh, I used to love it. I used to love it, and I used to listen to them. Um, every competent uh, uh, performer did a parody, did an Anthony parody. I can think of uh, uh, not alone Henry Morgan and Zero Marstell, for example, before he was as great a name in, in, in the business. Um, I'll never forget this. He opened up at, I think it was the Blue Angel, a nightclub in New York, and he was going to base his whole act around an Anthony parody, and he, he, he called me and said, would you please come and listen? I said, well, sir, I'd be delighted to come. He, he felt that I might take offense, but mm -hmm. I didn't. Uh, I loved listening to this man who was a, a, a consummate artist, and he did a beautiful job. I remember Willie Howard doing a magnificent takeoff. Uh, oh, every comic. It got to the point, Frank, where I made an appearance at the, I think it was the National Theater in Washington, D.C. Maybe the name of the theater is wrong, but I know it was Washington, D.C. I, I appeared there to, uh, I think it was a benefit performance. And as I walked backstage, I looked at the bulletin board, and I don't know what caused me to look at the bulletin board, but... There was evidently some extrasensory uh, attraction there, and I looked at the bulletin board, and lo and behold, there was a, a notice from the manager addressed to all MCs, 
No more Anthony gags, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to play an Anthony gag on you right now because I'm going to play you one of the old Henry Morgan clips. Do you have that too? Yes, I do. Heavens. So we'll listen to that right now. And now, once again, we present the John J. Morgan Trouble Clinic, which helps people to get rid of the troubles they have and take on some new ones. <laughs> So, friends, bring your troubles to John J. Morgan and watch them increase under his skilled analysis. <laughs> Remember, Mr. Morgan's advice costs nothing, but most of it is well worth it. <laughs> and now, here he is, John J. Morgan. Good evening. Our first case, sir, is the case of Mrs. R.M., and here she is at our microphone. Good evening, madam. I must ask you to speak more slowly. <laughs> but I didn't say anything. Then I must ask you to speak louder. I didn't hear you. Hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, tell me now, are you familiar with the program? Uh, yes, indeed. I hear it all the time. You must have marvelous reception. We only broadcast once a week. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I hear it every week. I always stay home to listen. Really? Then why aren't you home now listening to it? Well, I have a problem, Mr. Moore. No names, please. <laughs> But I didn't mention my name. No, but you mentioned mine. <laughs> Go on, please. Well, it all started about 20 years ago. Please I... don't touch the microphone. <laughs> well, sir, Madam, I... Madam, I must ask you not to interrupt when nobody's talking. <laughs> now then, what is your problem? No coaching, please. <laughs> it all began 20 years ago when I married this man. What man, may I ask? My husband. I see. Trifle impetuous, but perfectly legal. <laughs> Go on, please. It was a whirlwind courtship. I knew he loved me when one day in the park he carved a heart on a tree. Then inside the heart he carved No out... initials, please. <laughs> now then, after he was through defacing public property... <laughs> what happened? We got married. <laughs> Right after the ceremony, he said he was leaving me for good, and he took a boat to Australia. Why did he leave so suddenly? Well, there wasn't another boat for a month. Please, uh, don't touch the microphone. Yes, sir, and I haven't heard from him for 20 years. And what is your problem, please? Well, recently I met another man, and he wants to marry me. When did you meet this man? Uh, about a month ago. I see. The minute your husband's back was turned, <laughs> you began to run around, is that it? Yet you have so little shame that you stand here completely unmoved. Well, I... Not I, a sob, not a tear, not even a sniffle. Well, I didn't think that... Perhaps a few tears might help. Oh, well, sir, I... Oh, come now, tears aren't going to help. <laughs> Madam... You have enjoyed the richest experience marriage can bring a woman. Having her husband leave her. <laughs> and yet you would toss away 20 years of this ideal kind of married life to marry this homewrecker. Well, what is your advice, Mr. Morgan? Go to your husband. Throw yourself at his feet. Put your arms around his neck. Beg his forgiveness. But he's not here. Then go to this other man. Throw yourself at his neck. Put your arms around his feet. But he's not here either. He's in Europe. I see. 
Then, madam, I suggest you go somewhere and throw yourself at something. That, madam, is my advice to you. And our last case, Mr. Morgan, is the case of Mr. A.K. I see. Uh, you are Mr. A.K.? Uh, yes, sir. And what is your problem, please? Well, uh, my problem is that my wife won't do no housework. She just stands around the corner all day pitching pennies. I see. I am to understand, then, that this lovely girl you married... No, no, I married her sister. The one that I married, you see, had the Clyde with a struck up it. It didn't give me a chance to perform it. And if she wants to break my cream, that doesn't always have the crate because anything that has a pad of steel is always my breakfast cloth. And, uh, you know, the sink is always full of dishes. She... what? She snubs up with all my entire faces. After all, I'm not the type of man who wants to give a girl for a speed. I asked her to give me the straw. I tried very hard to sell it, and there she was without straw. That's not a plan. Yes, well, course, uh, that's what I thought you said, but uh, would you go on, please? Yes, and I'd like to know if I should either Stevie the Denison without braces because I know she's definitely going to give me a claw, or should I just better rather the three because take a call without my face, leave the only responses. You know how I sound. Yes, I, um, I see. Now, tell me, when you found that she had set fire to your overcoat... Did you, did you notify the police? Well, no, I didn't figure that she was that type of a fail. After all, if we have a coy and she doesn't tell me that my pattern is only a beef, I can't force it to flat. Yes, that was a very wise move. <laughs> well, uh, that's my problem, Mr. Morgan. I'd like to know if I should just vandalate without a clod and leave everything else to her without speed or because my fate will fill you apart. <laughs> well, if... Uh, let, let's put it this way If you were in my position What would you advise? Well, my advice would be To just ramble the snoop without the cost fee Because if she wants to trade And we are only left with trade Who is there to trade if you have a guard set? Well, I'll go along with that <laughs> You mean that I should Trout her feet a horse And never leave the story Because she wants me to cross? Yes, especially the frangipan stone. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Morgan. Thank you, sir. concludes this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past few minutes. This is Frank Brzee inviting you back again next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.